my name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 715. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is this. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Usually, Kathy and I record and then we come up with a title, but today we have a title. Yeah. And it's called Nurturing Our Kids' Spiritual Growth and Self-Understanding. Can I tell a secret? Sure. Hold on, hold on. Before you do that, okay. you know what I'm about to do, don't you? I think you're going to play sticks, but that's... <laughs> I had this long sentence of what I wanted to talk about, and I put it into uh, AI, yeah. into chat, GPT? Yeah, whatever. Um, and that's the sentence. Actually, it didn't give me that exact sentence. It, this is what I've learned about chat GPT. I don't use it that often, but when I do, like for the title of this podcast, it's very formal. It's very, it's very Mr. Roboto. <laughs> that works perfect because it's nobody. I well, don't think people talk it. like that. You could tell it saying, make this less formal. Oh, it, you can? Yeah. And it will do that. Well, why doesn't it just relax up front? Maybe it doesn't know Kathy Kasani Adams. <laughs> well, they, it needs to chill because or, it's like, nevertheless, I'm like, relax. Like, and so what I like about it is that it'll give me a kind of sentence and then I cut it down. It's kind of like getting a, it's kind of like getting a ball of clay and then you make it into something. Well, and you, you'll get better and better at molding the clay. And what I mean by that is telling it like, make this half as long or make this twice okay. as long or make this in a, from a Shakespearean standpoint or make this from a J.D. Salinger standpoint huh. and it will do all that for you. That's really interesting. It's totally creepy. It's going to change our worlds. I know everybody's sick of hearing about it. Or at least a lot of people are, but it is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I will say this as some, like when I'm writing something for myself, I, I don't like it because you lose your voice. Mm -hmm. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, for sure. So I don't think, I mean, and again, I know marketing will use it. I know advertising will, uh, will use it. But as a writer, mm -hmm. the whole joy of being a writer is finding the language and figuring it out yourself. Yeah. At least it is for me. If somebody is doing it because they're just trying to get through it, but I like the idea of bring. it's a creative endeavor. So to have AI do it for you defeats the purpose. But the thing is, you'll be able to use it to help you tune your voice with more precision. So it's not like you're going to be like, rewrite this, and then I'll copy and paste it. Okay. You're going to rewrite it, take it, take little parts of it, yeah. say, that sounds good, and but instead of doing this, I'm going to do that. Like It's just going to be another tool in your toolbox. Yeah, I hope it's just another tool. Because I'm sure when we first got you know Google or you know Yahoo or whatever we were using, Ask Jeeves, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it was, that it would, people, I'm sure we were like, oh my God, we can get information from anywhere. So I hope we can just not, you know, we need to harm the Jeeves. world with this. Let's ask Jeeves. I think that went under. Yes. Um, okay. So go ahead. Um, so real quick, um, I do want to just highlight your Zen parenting moment, sure. which you titled, Give Yourself a Break. And mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, some of it was inspired by a book you're reading called The Creative Act, A Way of Being yeah. by Rick Rubin. Anything you want to share? Uh, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, Kathy does these really quick, like one minute reads Zen parenting moments. And if you haven't already subscribed to them, it comes in your inbox every Friday. Um, just scroll down the show notes and um, it's a click of a button. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, you know, I think I wrote about it yet last week because I was having like grief spurts. Mm -hmm. 
And I'm not very, I, I kind of was explaining this to you on a walk the other day. I, when I don't feel good or I'm grieving or I'm sad or I'm angry, I get frustrated that I am. And then I have to come back to the awareness that the whole point of feeling sad is that you feel sad. True. So you can't be annoyed that you're feeling sad because that's what sadness is. Yeah. There's a really kind of um, mindful, acceptance. kind, yeah, acceptance to it. There's a, I was going to say like, I have to be more Buddha-like about it because you can't be like, no, I'm sad, but actually I'm happy. Like that it's, just you, be sad. you just, but when you feel sad, the nature of sadness is energetic drain. Mm-hmm. And so that's not a good feeling. So I comfortable. So I think what I came to my middle place was give yourself a break. I was just like, just like, don't, think this is always and ever and just be like you don't don't should yourself i'm not a fan of the shoulds you know shoulding what are you gonna play (laughs) give me a break (laughs) i sure deserve it it's time i made it to the top did you like this show, sweetie? Of course I did. Nell Carter. Nell Carter. Um, yeah, and was this was show. this was the original because remember, as the seasons went on, this this opening got a little more heightened, a little more fancy, a little more fancy. Sweetie, don't get fancy, don't get fancy. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I loved Nell Carter. Sorry, I disrupted your train of thought. I just uh, you know maybe people remember to give themselves a break. Uh, if they listen to the Give Me a Break theme song today. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, Nell Carter. Yeah. Um, okay, so go ahead. Um, <clears throat> so we have this thing called Ask Us Anything, and uh, people are starting to use it. When you say we have this thing, the yeah. more information to offer there is on, if you go to our resources page, zenparentingradio.com. Just scroll, in, the sh- in the show notes, oh. just, just click on the link. Just scroll down. If you're on our website, you can go to resources. But anyway, there is a page where you can either email us a question or you can use the speak pipe and actually ask a question. So if you're more of an audio person, just say it to us. And if you are But a- I think I put a limit on it of like 30 or 60 seconds. Oh, okay. Um, and I did that on purpose just because I want to play these on the podcast and it's so easy for us to get into a lot of background story. And I think it's less... Um, I don't know. I think people will tune out more quickly. So you do have to keep kind of keep it tight, which is good. To keep it tight. Bees hang tight. Bees uh, hang but this tight. person e, um, wrote it okay. um, via typing on their keyboard. Not typewriter? No. Okay. Uh, hi, Kathy and Todd. I have two sons, eight and 11. And ever since they're past the toddler age, it's been much easier for me to lose patience with them. And it's been very difficult for me to control my temper when they do something wrong. I'm noticing that both of my sons started having similar type of temper. I want to ask if you have some ideas on how I can quickly do a quick reset before I just start screaming at my kids. Because it's been very difficult, especially toward my tween, my tween age son. I really don't want my kids to also have that quick temper as well. And I'm really not being a good role model. Thank you so much. Um, so I'll jump in real quick. Okay. She writes this with a little bit of self-awareness mm-hmm. in that she's noticing a pattern of her inability to kind of calm herself down and her sons. So I just want to like, and I also want to normalize this, like, oh, you're lo- you're losing your temper at your 8 and 11-year-old children? Welcome to the club. It's mm-hmm. not an easy thing. These kids are put on this earth to... Uh, you know, help us learn about ourselves, but sometimes I feel like they're they're here to make our lives miserable. Well, yeah, I don't think that's, that's not why they're here. It's not like a byproduct. Yeah, it can be a byproduct. Um, so I just first want to honor whoever wrote this and say um, the fact that you're connecting these dots is really good. 
My best hack, for lack of a better term, is to take a breath. Just simply take a breath. And it's such a, I don't know, not helpful um, idea. Well, can I ask you something? Because I'm always doing this to Todd because he will use kind of a, a, he'll share a tool. But do you really use that and does it work? And when's the last time it worked? Rather than just share like take a breath. Sometimes I use it. Yeah. And the idea of it working, I would say, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to like keep track of it. Well, just think of the last time. Like instead of like go through your whole history. Yesterday, my dad came over. Yeah, okay, there you go. I wasn't ready. There you go. Good job. Uh, He came over three hours early for Father's Day. And I think I swore first. Like (laughs) I curse word. He's here already. Mm -hmm. And I took a breath, sat in my chair for another 10, 15 seconds, and mm-hmm. then got up and greeted him. Yeah. Now, I think that helped a bit. I yeah. still was kind of annoyed, but it 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 uh, decreased the amount of reactive energy I was going through in that moment. It didn't eliminate it. Right. It just helped it a little bit. Yeah. So, um, and you know, a lot of people have a meditation practice. Sweetie, yours has been strong for a long time. Mine comes and goes, and right now I'm not doing much formal meditation practice, but I'll tell you, it's more important to be able to put a breathing exercise into practice when a stimulus happens than it is to sit on your cushion for 20 minutes in the morning. Yeah. And I think by sitting on your cushion 20 minutes in the morning will help. Your your lifting weights. Your ability to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe if I would have had a you know formal meditation practice in the last six months, I may have been able to really kind of like chill out. But um, but I still chilled out a bit. So mm-hmm. anyways, that's what I got. What do you got? Yeah, well, I think you're, you know, hitting one of the most important things is the the ability to respond rather than react, which is what you said. And, and I think I'll connect this to what we were talking about with my Zen parenting moment is that I think sometimes we'll be like, I'm frustrated. How do I keep from being frustrated? And I don't think you can. No, yeah. Right. I think that frustration is just what it is. It's what do I do with it? So I think a lot of parents beat themselves up because they have a feeling. <laughs> They're like, can you believe I got frustrated? I'm like, sure. Or that you got angry or that you were impatient. It's, do you notice you're there? And do you, like Todd, kind of take a breath, swear, whatever, and then choose from that point? You can't, I don't know if we as humans can eliminate certain feelings when they come up because they're they're not just about the moment. They're about history. They're about fear. They're about things that are really human and necessary. You know, they're like we need them. And, you know, a few things that I was thinking of when when you were originally reading this, Todd, is she's like, um, I feel different now that they're eight and 11 versus when they were toddlers. Um, I think that's common. Um, and, and it can go the other way too. It can flip flop. I think it has a lot to do with how we identify and relate to our kids. I think I started when my kids were a lot younger, I could be a little more separate from them. Cause I didn't really remember what it was like to be three or four. Like I had memory, like a memory, but I wasn't identifying with them as much. And then when they got to an age that I could really remember myself at that age, I started to over-identify with them. Mm -hmm. And so things became a little more frustrating to me or concerning or I hope they don't do this or I hope they don't turn out like this kid or I hope they don't do what I did or I hope they do do what I did. So there's a lot more like, there's a lot more stuff in the mix like where we're, we're combating not just dealing with the moment or whatever they're doing to frustrate us but whatever's going on inside of us. So that would be, you know, 
if this uh, question asker was in front of me, I would say, is there something about pre-adolescence that is a little more triggering? Is there or something- Or maybe a little more familiar. Familiar. Like, like maybe she, uh, I assume this is a, a, a mom, but maybe it's a dad. I assume uh, maybe something happened around that time in their lives yeah, could, where they started could getting into big arguments with their kids with right. their, or with their parents. There could be a parent relational thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there could also be the discomfort with anger that I think sometimes when kids are little, we have, um, because they're little, we have a little more patience, not always, um, because again, sometimes our memories can be from that toddlerhood. And so then we have a totally different reaction when they're eight or 11. So this is very individual. I want to make sure I'm, I'm saying that, but sometimes we we can be a little more patient with little kids. And then when they get older, we start to think they should just know. Mm-hmm. And our anger comes out a little more where we're like, why do I have to tell you this twice? Or why would you speak to someone that way? And, you know, one of the things as far as like, if you are the person listening to this who asks a question, if you're interested in kind of like what's going on with an eight or 11 year old's brain, it might be interesting to uh, read um, The Whole Brain Child, which is um, Daniel Siegel's book, Dr. Daniel Siegel. Um, there's other uh, brain books. It's just, I feel like that kind of lays out here's what's going on brain development wise, here's what's going on with pre adolescence. There's a lot of book. Uh, books about pre-adolescent brain. And so you can, instead of think this shouldn't be happening, you're like, well, of course they're having this experience and of course it's triggering me. Um, I have one more take before we get into the gist of the show. Sure. But I'm in the background, I'm going to go ahead and... Um, this is a song called Just Breathe by Pearl Jam. <laughs> Got to do that, right, sweetie? I, I guess. It does fit. Yeah, it does. Just breathe. Some uh, some teens were making fun of this song the Why? other night. Remember when we were on the deck? What was her problem? I don't know, but they I think they just the way that Eddie sings it. They were like He's uh he's an acquired taste, Eddie Better. Yes. Um I just wanna remind the person who wrote in that uh, you know, when we say temper, we're talking about anger, right? Right, anger. Anger's and, uncomfortable. And anger is uncomfortable, but it's also one of the five or four basic human emotions and that it's not such a bad thing to let anger out. It just depends on how we're encouraging somebody to express that anger. And so let's talk about this. Let's talk about your anger first, um, writer. What should we, should we just call her mom? Yeah, let's call her mom. Yeah, let's, and, and it could be a dad, but so we're assuming, but, yeah. um, it, you know, let's talk about your anger first, mom. Like anger, what is anger? It, it tells us when our boundaries are crossed, right? That's what it's there for. That's why it's a message and an arrow. You know, it tells us what to do and where to go. So what boundaries are you feeling are crossed? Are you feeling like you're not sure how to speak with your kids? Are you feeling like they're taking advantage of you? Do you feel like you are over responding and so you're angry with yourself and you're crossing your own boundary? You know, like you're feeling annoyed at yourself. Like it could be them. It could be you. So anger first, like what is it trying to tell you? And then with their anger, if you could see, this is the thing about, you know, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding is that if you understand your anger, you can talk to them about theirs. You know, you can talk to them about, you know, I get really angry when, and you can tell them your story about, I get really angry when I feel like I'm not heard, or I get really angry when I have to repeat something, or I get really angry when I feel like I'm working real hard and nobody notices. And then you can talk to them about their anger so they can be more thoughtful sure. and knowledgeable. And you may say, well, they're eight and 11. It, these things take time. Like 
telling a kid or helping a kid with their self-awareness doesn't shift their behavior immediately. Heck no. It's a building block. And so what you're doing is instead of just letting it go or getting into a different, a yelling relationship with them or breaking your connection with them because you're constantly frustrated, you're putting in some bricks you know, it's a building block to help them understand themselves. So by the time their brain really starts developing, they're taking all those things to, into account. Well, and they're learning from you one way or another. They're Correct. either lear- learning um, from you on how to express anger from a place that creates more problems or express anger from a place that reduces problems. Um, and just to even say to your kids, your boys, Anger can be really uncomfortable, can it? And also to help them differentiate, again, you're raising boys between anger and other feelings. Well, and don't forget, anger can sometimes feel good. Mm, Interesting, a release. Letting it out. Mm -hmm. Um, So last thing. But don't, before you play another clip, uh, anger, it can also be a mask for sadness, embarrassment, frustration, fear. So especially with your boys who in society, typically, gender specifically, Men can can use anger. We are encouraged to use anger more than any other emotion. Correct. And so if you can help them kind of slice that up a little bit so they know they can have access to other emotions mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, the way I'll leave this with you, Mom, before Todd plays something is any kind of experience like this that you're having is an opportunity. It's a doorway. Do we like it? No, of course not. And are you going to do it perfect every time? No. Heck no. But you're going to, it's a door. It's like, okay, I get to look at my anger. I get to look at my adolescence. I get to look at them. I get to learn about brain science and I get to talk to them about feelings. afraid to care no no way man um that's my pink floyd dave dave roger and the guys um speaking of the guys uh i am listening to two different podcasts right now uh one of them is that uh witchcraft thing uh jk rowling and the other is uh it's always sunny in philadelphia podcast (laughs) two very different you cannot come up with two more different (laughs) podcast list too and maybe at some point kathy and i might in the future talk about this jk rowling thing but not yet we're not ready not ready um okay so the title of today's podcast is nurturing our kids spiritual growth and self-understanding where are we going with this so i so todd and i have this opportunity to do this um interview i think we're doing it we're doing it today with another podcast so they asked us and and it's a more spiritual podcast it's like kathy old school like kathy like 10 years ago, 20 years ago when we first started. You're saying you're no longer spiritual. No, I am. I'm all those things, but it's the, the books and the things that she was talking about. I was like, Oh, that used to, you know, I, I was actually just talking to my daughter about this. I am still all those things, but I'm older and the world has shifted me to into different directions. And so it's not that I let go of those things. I just don't talk about them. You brought it, brought them with you. I brought them with me. Absolutely. They're rolling in to every other aspect of who I am. I, I, I just used to be, I mean, if you look back at our shows from, and I don't even know if you can anymore, like the 100 you, level, you 200 level. You can go level. to our website. That's okay. the way to do it. But you can't do it on uh, Spotify or iTunes or anything like that. I bet at least one out of three podcasts from the first three years of our show was about some kind of spiritual growth, a book I was reading about self-help, which I still do, but it was just, it was deeper. It was like, not deeper. What's the word? It was more intense. 
right? Can you give any examples? That I'd be reading like three self-help books at a time. I wasn't paying attention to the news. I wasn't as involved in politics. I was involved in my own spiritual and personal growth. Well, 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 who's the authors that uh, our interviewer threw out to you that you said? Uh, she threw out uh, Wayne Dyer, which is an obvious one. That that was my first intro when I was 16. She threw out Eben Alexander, which was a guy that had a near-death experience. He was a uh, neurosurgeon himself and then had a near-death experience. So he understood what was going on in the brain. And I just remember his book. I remember all of the interviews. I remember his story, which then led me to Jill Bolte-Taylor. I was thinking about her and the stroke, her stroke of insight, where she had a stroke on one side of her brain and, you know experience what it's like to not have our more linear, you know, way of thinking and to just be right brainers. And then that led me to all these other super soul things. I was just thinking about how, like, I bet if I were to look at my, my syllabus, because I've been teaching college students now for 11 years. If I looked at my syllabus from the first couple of years versus now, it would be, it would represent the difference in where I am. It's the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. Like it's, I'm still teaching social work and, and all of those kind of things, but what are my examples? What are my books I'm suggesting? And I have, because of the way the world has gone and because of the age of my children and because of who I am, you just evolve. It's, I like the word evolve because it's not about that I've changed. I'm just rolling it. So when I see that we're going to title this Nurturing Our Kids Spiritual Growth uh-huh. and Self-Understanding, let's just focus on spiritual growth. Yeah. Um, so for me, like, what does that mean? I mean, there's there's volumes of books written about what spirituality means, sure. right? And then there's a whole faith-based religious thing, which we're not really talking about right now. A lot of people... We'll say religious dogmatic because spirituality can be sure, faith-based. Sure, of course. Yeah. Um, I don't know. When I think of spiritual, I think of, and, and I believe in spirituality, but I think Kathy's uh, lens is a little bit more clear than mine. When I think of spirituals, I, I think I was somebody before I showed up. I think I'm going to be somebody after I pass on. And my hope is that I kind of grow um, and do whatever it is that I'm supposed to do on this earth. And, you know, other people are like, no, you, you, you're here when you show up and then you die when you, when you pass on. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. A lot of people believe a lot of different things, but like I think of like what was what was who was Todd before Todd even showed up, and, and that may not really connect to spiritual growth, but it's the the opposite of what I'm comfortable with. What I'm comfortable with logical, practical, science, objectivity, um, and with spiritual, it's a little bit um, it's uncertain. It's so uncertain. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, well, and I'm a little more uncomfortable with un- or excuse me, I'm a little more comfortable with uncertainty and mystery, because I think that's really what it's all about. Because, you know, I, my, one of my baseline understandings, because it resonated so deeply, which if something resonates super, super, super deeply, it's, it's not just about verifying your point. It's about, I, I think that it's something, you know, you just know. And when you know, without having read it, you in just a book. know, you're like, yes, that, that just feels so correct to me. And uh, Joseph Campbell said that our brains, our human brains, don't hold the capacity or ability to access life and death. Like we can't, we don't have the hardwiring and to really know for sure. So what that means to me is we get to live in the mystery and the hints of it. It doesn't mean we don't get the hints of it and the and the connections and the feelings and the heart Ish, you know, chal- what's the word? The heart um, connections, 
we know, but we can never fully know. That's what I love about it. Well, and when I hear you say that, for some reason, I just think of stars uh, because, you know, you see a bazillion stars when you look up in the sky, which is just a tiny fraction of what is out there. And I know that there's no way I can get my arms around the vastness of space. No, of course not. In the same way, I don't feel like I can get my arms around the vastness of God, whatever, insert love, whatever. Universe. Universe. I can't get my arms around that, nor I don't think I'm supposed to. Well, I think the one of the, you know, talking about our topic of conversation for this show is that something I've always found to be so important in teaching the girls is you are special and you are important and who you are and who you came into the world as is vital and necessary. We know that because you're here. At the same time, you are tiny in the big scope of life and and in the universe, you're like not even a speck right? And so you are the biggest thing and the smallest thing. And you have to live in that paradox of understanding that you're here for a reason. And I don't mean a a career reason. I mean, you're supposed to be here. This is your time to be here. At the same time, when things feel heavy and overwhelming, all you have to do is look up at the stars. Mm -hmm. This is just a moment in time. You are a piece of a big puzzle that you're never going to be able to complete in your lifetime. You're never going to be able to see it done. It's just this big puzzle and we get to figure we get to work on it in our lifetime like listen to it and access it and move with it but you don't get to be done until you're done which means you're not here anymore and so the the big thing that I have always wanted my girls to know is this is I often call it because a teacher said this to me a long time ago this is your earth walk you are here on the earth for this time or this is your soul school and then when you're not here anymore, I don't, you're maybe not on the earth anymore, but there's other things. And I don't know what they are. Well, but and then you there's that on. quote where spiritual beings having a human yeah, experience. This is our human experience. Um, for some reason, when I, whenever I think of like, um, I don't know, um, universal expansiveness, like I just got back from Alaska with my oldest daughter, JC, and you know, you don't know. What I experienced when I was looking at the mountains and how many mountains there are in the state of Alaska and how big they are and how small I felt. And then we stayed in this cabin. There's this river and all the water was being fed from the the snowmelt from these mountains. And I'm just like, it's just I seem so small compared Mm -hmm. to all this. And then when I think of the earth being so small in comparison to the vastness of the universe, like there's so many different layers of. Smallness and vastness. Complete (laughs) awesomeness. Yeah. And um, so that's, uh, I just keep, and as long as I can maintain that, uh, the idea that I can't get my arms around it, and I don't think that what life is is whatever's right in front of me, and there's actually a lot of other things going on that I don't understand, not supposed to understand, will never understand, then I feel like I'm in a pretty good place when I'm in that mystery um, my problem is I sometimes I'm like, nope, this is what life is. It's work and it's family and it's dinner and that's it. So, Yeah. And, and I think what you just said is the important thing is I think the mystery ironically, paradoxically gives, gives us peace mm-hmm. because then we don't feel like we have to figure it out. If you, f- and, and again, the, but again, this is, this is why, this is why this is called Zen Parenting Radio. Zen is the you know, understanding that you never really know, (laughs) you know, everything is another riddle. Everything is another like layer. And the, 
you know, as soon as, you know, as soon as I say, you don't have to know, you get to live in the mystery. Then that's when I want to get to work and start figuring it out. Mm -hmm. And then when I realize I can't figure it out, I live in the mystery. And then I'm like, Ooh, but there's a universal sign. And then I go that way. So you get to play in the mystery. You get to like experience it and enjoy it. And there is no end to it. There is. And, you know, I will say as far as like, you know, I, I talk, um, I talk a lot about, you know, the mystery of when people die and and where they go. And, and, you know, yesterday I was, yesterday was Father's Day. And so obviously I was thinking a lot about my dad and I was looking at pictures of him in the morning and I was like, Ooh, like, okay. So I don't know if everyone can relate to this. Maybe I should just talk to you, Todd. But when I look at people or I'm with people, they have, I'm going to use the word energy, but I don't want you to get lost in that word. What I mean is when I think of my dad, there is a feeling I get and I'm like, that's my dad. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. So like when I think of your mom, there's a feeling I get where I'm like, that's your mom. Mm -hmm. So I feel them when I think about them. And I had a moment yesterday, I told the girls this because it's so funny, where I was looking at a picture of my dad and I was like... I could feel him and I was like, where is he? Mm -hmm. Like I had a, where is he? Not like, it was almost like I thought I had forgotten to go visit him or something. Mm -hmm. I, I forgot he wasn't in this realm. Not on this plane. Yeah, this wherever we are. I was like, where is he? And I'm like, oh, wait, wait, he's not here. Yeah. Like I have to remember Then I don't, sometimes I cry when I have that feeling. I cried this morning in meditation actually thinking about some loss but I was more like, oh, yeah, he's not here, but I can still feel him. Like, it's not always sad. Yeah. Because I know exactly what my dad feels like. When I think of your mom, I can feel her. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, and my mom, I can feel her. Yeah. Like, I know. So I think some people, when I use that word, sometimes they're like, oh, I can't relate to that. Try and think of your own word. Like, you remember what she smells like, or you can hear her voice or his voice. Like, there's these things where we understand. And, and that's as much as I can really, when I'm, so we're going back to talking to our kids about these things. These are the stories I share with my kids. I don't give them certainty stories. I have pictures of people who have passed that we love all over our house. In our kitchen, we have a picture of my mom, my dad, and Todd's mom. And we look at them every day. We talk about them all the time. They're in the ethers. They're in the air. We talk about our rabbit who died. We talk about our fish who died. We just keep them here. And that's as much as I can give my girls. I can't say, you know, when they're like, they don't, they're older, so they don't ask questions about words like heaven or any as much anymore. Um, but I just try and think of those as words rather than absolutes. Like if that's a word that feels good to them, but they're around. Well, and I just want to add, like if your kids, whether they're five or 15 or 25, ask questions. I'm never going to tell anybody how to no, answer. Instead, I'll thing. tell you how I answer. Mm -hmm. My answer almost always starts with, you know, I'm not sure. <laughs> right. What happens when you die? I'm not sure, but mm -hmm. I think blah, 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 blah. I tend to like really disconnect from somebody who tells me with certainty that they know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I, I want to pivot and we may just want to spend a minute or two on this, uh, the whole earth walk idea yeah. and then whatever, the spiritual walk, whatever we want to call I don't the even opposite know. of that is. Yeah. Um, we have had uh, some people in our lives that reside in the spiritual walk at the expense of the earth walk. Yes, yes. And I just wonder if you want to riff off of the sure. idea that we can't forget that we're 
we're human beings breathing air that have to pay bills too. So it was one of my favorite parts of yoga is that I used to do yoga. I had, you know, I was a good student, you know, I have been for 25 years. And then, um, and, and one of the things I felt like I was learning early on was this like detachment from the body. Like you want to be more spiritual, you want to get out of your body. And then when I started learning when I started teaching yoga or going through teacher training, it just so happened I was learning a kind of yoga that um, it's not around anymore, but it what it, one of the best teachings was to be in your body, to, to practice embodiment. And I think this is more normalized now for yoga teachers. So if you're someone who's just gone through teacher training, you're probably like, well, yeah, but it didn't, we didn't used to talk that way 20 years ago. It was much more of a separation. And now you know the kind of te- the kind of yoga i learned was no be a human being you this is your time to be human yeah. so don't separate from your body right. don't try and be something above other people don't reside in this spiritual realm where you miss out on having a body enjoy food enjoy sex enjoy um, you know, hugging somebody, enjoy wearing clothes that feel good, um, enjoy putting a lotion on your skin. This is your body. And and again, I'm not even getting into diet culture and weight. That's a whole other thing. I'm just talking about being inside a body. And that has always been really, again, another thing I've talked to the girls about is like, you get to feel these things. You get like, I love it when someone combs my hair or if Todd rubs my feet, or, you know, I love, there's certain things that feel good to me. And that's, I feel so lucky because I'm in a body Mm. and I get to feel those things. And I think a lot of somatic therapy is now catching up with these ideas with that, you know, somatic therapy being like that reconnection to what's going on inside of you. And like feeling things through, talking things through your body, that it resides inside of you and making those connections where the mind and body have been separate. You know, you're reconnecting. Um, And this is, so to your point, Todd, I used to be very frustrated with writers, yoga teachers who would teach us that we need to be above our bodies. I think that's what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And also people in our lives who... Who have blind faith that things are just going to fall into place. They play the spiritual game and forget the body game. Yeah. Like, no, you got got bills to pay and you got to go figure out how to pay those bills. Thank you. That's, That's where I wanted to go. And if you are a body and you are a human on this human walk, then you have to live as a human being, which means you live in a in a community and you live in a home and you have to mow the lawn and you have to pay your bill and you have to, you know, do good things for people. You don't get to just be like, I'm so spiritual. I don't have to do these things. You, you need to show up as a human being. And there's times when you can get lost in the spiritual realm. Great. For go sure. ahead. And there's I have. times when you can get lost in the human realm. And I tend, that's where I usually get lost. Um, and I think if there is an answer to this, it's like, make sure that you're, paying attention to both. And I think that Todd and I hold hands through this. I think I've gotten very lost in the spiritual realm and will, and have more of a propensity, is that a word? Sure. To do that, um, because that's a very soothing, connected place for me. I feel very in my element. But 
Todd holds my hand and keeps me on the earth. And I think with Todd, he can be so earthy. You lift me off the ground. I say, yeah, I'm kind of like, Todd, look up, you know, not, and I don't mean, I mean, you look at the stars just as much as I do, but recognize what you don't understand. Speaking of looking up, my friend Mark Miller texted me this morning and wants us to consider doing up for pop culture. Oh, I love up. And I even thought about that. And, um... We should see if my aunt Peg wants to do it with us. Yeah, let's get Pogbear She's on the here. biggest fan. Yeah, and I um, totally sidetracked here, but the first ten minutes of Up might mm. be the best ten minutes of movie cinema history. That's human, man. The first ten minutes of that movie is just a human experience, yeah. and the spiritual nature of it is the love. Yeah, you know what I mean. The the being there, like, so someone may look at that and and be like. Well, that's all in the human element, but the reason it's meaningful, the reason we can feel it. Well, let me go back to the AI, the chat GPT, and I know you're saying I can heighten it and it can all of a sudden become kind of humanish. But, you know, I was saying I was asking it for words and it gave me words, but they were empty words. Yeah. They didn't feel like anything. Yeah. Then I kind of reshaped them, put my personality into them, took this word out, changed this word. And all of a sudden it was like I filled up a balloon. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like now this was an empty balloon and now I'm in it yeah. now. And that's the same thing with the beginning of Up is it's like, you know, even though it's a cartoon, you feel the love between these two people. Well, and for me, like the whole spiritual piece for me, like that's heart center stuff mm-hmm, for exactly. me. Um, you know, just love, attraction, relationships, partnership, courtship, uh, that like there's, I mean, I know we're wired for procreation and all that, but there's still like something really spiritual about the whole idea of that we're still on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of crazy. Well, and d- dig into, I don't understand what you mean. I, I don't even know what I mean. I just feel like like we should be extinct like, uh, no well that's one thing obviously i mean there's plenty of um reasons why you might say that we probably should be uh, based on how some of us are acting mm-hmm. towards this earth towards each other mm-hmm. everything else um but i don't really know it's just when, and because i think the thing is you talked about the body and mm-hmm. To reside in it. And I, my thing is the one part of the body that is not on the earth walk is the heart. Even though it is, the heart pumps blood, but the heart also creates um, intimacy. It creates affection for one another in a way that just seems mysterious to me. When you say it's not on the earth walk, what do you mean? I think my kidneys and my feet and my brain and all these other things are here for my earth walk. And I feel like the heart, not the one pumping in my chest right now, but instead my love for you or my love for you, our kids. You mean the feel, the yes. the energy yes. of connection. Yes. It's not just the the uh, the organ, correct? Uh, the heart, but correct. you mean well, as you know, Todd, as a uh, trainer for the Institute of Heart Math. Yes. Um. This that's something Todd and I used I to think, do. I think my uh, certification expired about oh. eight years ago. Well, one of the things that we learned from the Institute for Heart Math, we used to work with them, was the fact that the energy of the heart, like the 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 lengths, the um, the amount of uh, what, what would I say, the energy that emits from our brains is not as much as the energy that emits from our hearts. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm saying this oh, from yeah. a, do you understand what yeah, I mean? The electromagnetic field the electromagnetic around your heart is, is much, much larger, larger yeah. than the one around your brain. So when we think we're thinking beings and we connect through thoughts, yes, like that's, you can't deny that. But really the way we connect is through 
this like energy around our heart. And I think that our ability to tap into that more, to talk about embodiment, to trust what your body is feeling, but you can't trust what your body is feeling if you're disconnected from your body. So this is why some people will say, I have no idea what you're talking about. One of my, my husband, okay, so I'll just talk about you, Todd. Yeah, talk about me for a while. Todd, about a month and a half ago, hurt his ankle playing pickleball, or he thinks he did that way. It's two and a half months ago, and it was my Achilles tendon, but go ahead. (laughs) I'm not keeping track of dates, but it's been 10 weeks. It's been a while. He then had to work on, focus on the healing of it because he was going to Alaska with JC, and he just wants it to heal in the right way. He's being very smart. But he's been incapable of moving the way he really wants to move. I feel a different energy from Todd and I have since this happened. Now, when I say that, I don't mean there's something wrong with him or he needs to change it or anything like that. I know he's not at his top layer of energy. Mm-hmm. I know it. And someone would say, well, how? What did he say? What did he do? I have no idea. He, I can just feel him around me. And I'm, and I, it's like almost like I can, you know, when we look at our computer and we see the battery power, mm-hmm. Todd's battery power is like 82%. So he's still doing all the dad things. It's not that he's disconnecting. It's not that. It's that he's not where he wants to be. Right. And I can tell. It's like, from what energy am I doing these things Exactly. From? And that is not... I think some people be like, what are you talking about? From the surface, it looks the same. I can feel him. I can feel that with my children too. I can feel it with people that I walk by in the library. It's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you can be, um, you know, that some, you can feel these things. And I, I believe that's a heart energy. Yeah. I think there is that kind of connection. So these are things, going back to the title of the show, that I talk to my kids about. My three children are very different. And they look at things differently. They handle life differently. They have different skill sets. It These kind of beliefs intertwine in their lives in different ways. They do not all speak the same language. They do not all interact with the world in the same way. But there is this underneath foundation that I believe they trust in. Yeah. And that underneath foundation is that the universe has their back. It also is that things go wrong don't be surprised yeah. because hitting walls is how we then course correct that because the universe has your back, there are times that a, you're going to hit a wall. Something will not work. And can you look at it through the lens of, you know, after you've tried it a bunch of different ways, because again, I'm not saying one hit against the wall means give up, but if you're like, wow, this isn't working, yeah. that maybe there's something there and I don't simplify it. I don't say, well, see, the universe is protected. You move on. I say, this is mysterious, yeah. right? So maybe there is something in this that we should consider going a different direction. I have, as we get close to closing shop here, um, two resources. Uh, remember the book Life's Operating Man- Manual by Tom Shady? Oh, so good. So, so good. good. Mm-hmm. And then he also did a documentary called I Am. Yeah. And in that documentary, it has a bunch. In the book, it has all these kind of like just really interesting ways, uh, experiments that that don't back up by scientific reason. It's like, remember or they actually do. Well, remember when he's connected to the yogurt, or he's they're doing the yogurt experiment. But that is scientific. It just doesn't make a lot it of sense. It doesn't make sense. So what happens is they throw a bunch of images in front of this guy, in front of this yogurt, and in they have these whatever testing things. They got it connected inside to the, the yogurt. yogurt to see what type of energy is being emitted from this, you know, I Person guess, looking at inanimate pictures. substance. Yeah. 
but you, but the guy looking at the the fun pictures and the scary pictures is not connected to the yogurt itself. Yet the yogurt is carrying different energy based on what the person is observing in front of him. Yeah. Well, isn't this the thing about? Isn't this the thing? Is like if the, you the something double, the double slit experiment. The double slit experiment. Yeah. yeah. He talks about that as well, and he's got like six or seven really good, interesting examples of spirituality, heart essence, whatever word you want to use. But yeah, the double slit experience is basically, and I'm not a scientist, but basically the act of observing something changes, changes the properties of that thing. Exactly. Um, and if somebody, if nobody's looking at it, then it acts one way. But if somebody's looking at it, then it acts differently. And it's, it's, I think they're like measuring beams of light or something like that. So basically what Todd is saying is he's doing, he's talking about experiments and, um, you know, kind of he's showing us illustrations of how there is mystery yeah and how does this make sense even though todd's like this isn't scientific it is but it's not science that we focus a lot of energy on right and this is why it's the only thing i I didn't love biology i didn't love chemistry but i did like physics because it had a spiritual nature to it you know there were things about it that are mysterious you know why and and we don't get to know why we just get to live inside of it and and you know as this is a very cliche thing to say so i'm owning that but you know, it, life is not about answers. It's about asking questions. You know, you're always, you know, staying curious about what's going on. Um, I have like 50 other things on this list. Well, maybe we'll do a part two next week. I was going to say like the, we obviously talked about embodiment, but I wanted to talk about initiations and rituals because that's a huge part of helping our children understand a more spiritual self-aware nature, um, recognizing coincidences. Mm. Um, I wanted to talk about this. Can I finish with this? Sure. Because a lot of parents talk to us about yoga and meditation. How do I get my kids to do yoga and meditate? Okay. So because I was doing yoga, yogurt, yoga teacher training when my girls were little, they were watching that. So they knew I was doing yoga all the time. And you don't even have to do teacher training. If you're doing yoga in your house or going to classes or there's yoga mats around, they, they know what yoga is. You know, they're watching. And Todd does it all the time too, or he used to. And so they see it. Sometimes we would invite the girls to do classes with us. Todd and I used to teach family yoga and, you know, we'd invite them and they'd sometimes come, they sometimes wouldn't. But basically it was more of a role modeling of here is something that helps me. Here is access to a mat. Um, A couple of years ago, Skylar and I started doing yoga every morning because it was really helpful to her and stabilizing. She doesn't do that anymore, but she still does it occasionally. And what I noticed, because now that my girls are older and have been through the stages, they have picked it up when they've needed it. Like instead of doing PE, they both JC and Cameron did um, yoga class in instead of doing a regular physical education. And they and now sometimes Cameron goes to yoga classes on Saturday morning. This is without my influence at all. These are things they've figured out for themselves. And it's the same with meditation. You don't force your kids to do these things. You role model it. You offer them ways to do it. You create a place in their room to meditate. You say, let, let me help you with that if they want it. But they will, if they see it as an option that has worked for you and your partner or you, they will then become more interested. But if you don't do either of them and you tell your kid to do it, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, sweetie. Do you want to add anything to that? Uh, no, I think that there's a lot there. And I think if we want, maybe we'll go with part two next okay, week. Okay, I if, like it. If we so choose, because there's, you know, I don't even know where I would start with all that. But yeah. um, uh, but in closing, I just want to say, uh, we did not talk about Team Zen, but uh, if you as a listener want to spend more time with Kathy and I 
Uh, we do these end talks twice a month. We also send out fuzzy sh- fuzzy socks or They're t-shirts. They're so warm. Um, and if you want to be a, in a community of about 95 or so other amazing moms and dads, uh, please join us. It's 25, 20 bucks a month, 25, I forget. 25. 25 bucks a month. Um, so just scroll um, a little bit and you will find the sign up and you can and cancel at any time. It's an app and there is a lot there, man. Yeah. I am, I just, you know, I know we don't have time, but I just got off Twitter again because Twitter makes me sick to my stomach sometimes. And I just love our app. Yeah. Like I love scrolling through it. I love putting stuff on it. It's just a more optimistic place to be. Boom. Um, Kathy, I wrote a book called Zen Parenting, Parenting Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. You can pick that up uh, wherever bookstores are sold. Absolutely. Everywhere. And then uh, I am also a one-on-one coach for guys and also lead a international virtual men's organization called menliving.org or menliving. So go to menliving.org. So um, we will see you all next week. And I guess keep on trucking, right? You bet. And don't forget to breathe. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.